the Women of Color STEM Conference and Consumers Energy presents Be The Match, a professional development seminar. Featuring account manager for Be The Match, Tarita Gibson, along with Stacy Freer, Diane Klain, Tanya Smith, and Barbara Howard. Join our Race Against Time, a discussion around inequality in patient access to life-saving treatment. At Be The Match, we match blood cancer patients to life-saving blood stem cell donors. But as patients urgently need donors who share their ethnic background, race is a crucially important factor. Join us to learn how blood cancers, sickle cell, and other deadly diseases are impacting people of color and how you can help ensure equal access for all patients in need. Without further ado, the Women of Color STEM Conference and Consumers Energy presents Be The Match, featuring Tarita Gibson, Stacy Freer, Diane Klain, Tanya Smith, and Barbara Howard. Good morning, everyone. We are really excited to be here with you all today to share this information about Be The Match, how you can get involved, how you can help save a life. Or you can, if you don't want to save a life, maybe you can share the information with others that want to save a life. So today I'm going, my name is Tarita Gibson. I'm the account manager for Michigan and, and Indiana. And that's a new role for me. I'm the uh, account manager. So um, we're doing a lot of new things with Be The Match. We is really taking off with new technology, new research. We're trying to save everyone's life that needs to be saved. So I'm going to also introduce you to our panelists. Um, we have Stacy Freemer. Freer. Freer. <laughs> and we have Diane Klein. We have Tanya Smith. Morning. And we have Barbara Howard. These ladies right here is going to share stories um, as a donor story, as a volunteer, and we have um, the transplant coordinators going to share their stories about how they do more research to help patients get a second chance in life. They're going to also tell you what kind of um, research and um, intervention things they are doing would be the match to save more lives. So we're just going to, I'm going to first give the presentation on what be the match, what be the match do, who are we, how we exist. And they're going to share stories of what they do in, um, to help bridge gaps with um, more people of color to get a second chance at life. The cure. Be the match, we have the cure. Every three minutes, someone is diagnosed with a deadly blood cancer. But there's the cure. A, a donation of a life-saving blood stem cells from a genetically matched volunteer donor. Everyone that joins the um, registry, they are volunteers. And they come, they join and help save a life. It's up to them. It's from their heart that they want to help save someone's life. And you can be one of those people as well. The Be The Match was created in 1987 to expand people access to life-saving blood stem cells transplants. 12,000 patients per year need a transplant from a match-related um, donor. Be the Match is the largest, most diverse registry in the world, and I will tell you why. We help patients find their match. 
Right now, thousands of patients with blood cancer and other deadly diseases are desperately searching for a life-saving match. 70% of patients do not have a fully matched donor in their family. They depend on the be the match to find an unrelated, un unrelated blood stem cell donor. We save lives through, cel through cellular therapy. That's our mission. This presentation is about joining, is about join our race against time. You can save someone's life. It's a race against time. The number is going to be the match. We have um, 20 million um, donors that are available that uh, each patient can search from when they um, identify as um, needing a bone marrow transplant or a stem cell transplant. We have um, other registries that filter the information into the Be The Match registry. So that's why we say we have the largest um, diverse registry in the world. And that's the reason why, because we have other countries that filter their information to Be The Match so it can be more diverse. And every year, 12,000 patients need an unrelated transplant. On transplants, this, uh, we don't have all of the data for 2019, just the end of our fiscal year. So um, in 2018, um, 6,200 um, transplants were um, from the Be The Match registry. Since inception, um, 92,000 transplants since 1987. That's a lot of transplants, which, when you think. So we save lives, we extend life, not saying that all of them were successful and everyone lived, but they were, we call it success if you were able to receive a transplant and you did extend your life forever, if it's a day, a year, forever, a cure. So, and be the match, we have 12,000 full-time um, employees and contractors. And we have over 7,000 volunteers. And volunteers will help us get those numbers on the red on the register, 20 million. We really rely on our volunteers. When you talk about matching an unrelated person, this is how it works. It's pretty much um, matching is more complex than blood type. So it's based on genetic typing and volunteer human leukocyte antigens, HLA, that's what they call the typing. So um, if a patient is a, is not a match. To a, a, a potential donor, those are the markers. The way that, and then it tells you how you would not be a match, and then it tells you how a person can be a match on the other, um, where it says match through the sales and um, through the HLA markers. That's how you become a match to an unrelated person, and that's sharing some of your same ethnic background with those markers. Patients are more likely to match a donor who shares their ethnic heritage. Currently, not all patients have an equal chance of finding a donor. And that's why we're here today to let you know we need your help. We're here actually for your help to help us share the message, save more lives, and get more people of color on the registry to, so we can make sure we won't always be race against time. We want to make sure it's a smooth for all ethnic backgrounds to find the unrelated donor on the registry. Because there's 20 million people on there, we just got to find the right person for the right patient. So these are the odds of finding a match. If you're a black or African American, it's 20% chance of you finding a match. 
If you're Asian or Pacific Island, it's 41% if you're a final match. If you're Hispanic or Latino, it's 46%. If you're American, Indian, and Alaska Native, um, you're 57%. If white, it's 77%. So you see the inequality of um, finding a match right there. And that's because the way people join the registry and it's also, it's hard to match certain ethnic groups, especially minority groups, because we are so, um, African-Americans, not just we, um, um, minorities are so diverse with their DNA typing. So it's very difficult to match, um, get a match, and we don't have enough representation on the registry. We need more representation on the registry. We need people to go and share the message. Even if you don't meet the criteria to join the registry, we want people to share the message. It may not be for you, but who would you say? Somebody else may say just by you sharing the message saying, be the match, meet your help. Maybe this is something you may just want to share. Because everyone, this registry is not for everyone. Everyone can't meet the criteria of joining it, but you can meet the criteria of sharing the message. We need you. We need your help. So this is the registry composition right here. That's how I look for the registry when people need a match from different ethnic groups. You see the percentage? You see how it looks? Um, as far as um, the small percentage of American Indians, the small percentage of African Americans, the percentage of Asians, Hispanics, and, and, and we have a large group of unknowns. Well, that may be the unknown, we could say unknown, maybe a little multiracial, or they just don't know. But we do have a large group of people that they don't have an ethnic group that they don't know what their ethnic group are. They may be multiracial and have a different markers that they can't really figure it out. And the transplant nurses here, they will uh, tell you more about that. They'll be sharing that information with you. But this is how it looks, and that's, how the, that's the chances of people finding a match. Just, it looks just like that. So, availability. Fewer than one out of for African Americans or Blacks, fewer than one in three is 29% of finding an availability on the registry. American Indians is less than 40%, Asian 41%, Hispanic 41%, Monty race 52%, and White is about two in three, two in three um, availability. They will find a match, so it's 64%. So. We encourage everyone still to join the registry, but we're trying to share more information about African Americans, minorities as a whole, to join the registry so everyone can have equal opportunity of finding a, a donor out there. Equal outcome for all. It's up to us to up the odds. Adding more committed donors who increase diversity of tissue types on the registry helps save more lives. So the more people we add to the registry, the greater the chance for people to find a match. We recruit donors from ethnically um, diverse communities. You have to be between the ages of 18 to 44 in general good health to join the registry. Um, but um, you have to meet the health criteria guidelines and willing to donate to any patient. And the way that it works, that be the match supports everyone to join the registry at no cost if you're 18 to 44. But our registry, you can join up into your um, 60, but from 45 to 60, the transplant doctors say the better chance for the patients is to get younger donors with more sales, less medical deferral. So they actually, so they 
So PDMX say, hey, we need to do what the transplant doctors want to do. So we need to make that cost to be no cost so we can get those people in the registry. So people from 45 to 60, we want them to share the message, get the younger people involved, your children, your friends, your any relatives that's young that can join the registry. That's why we need the older people to share. But if you're 45 to 60 and you really want to join, if it's one of your loved ones and you want to join the registry, you may not be the first person they call to uh, match your patient, but you can be, you can match someone. So you, uh, you can join, but it's going to be a cost out of pocket of $100 for the picture typing to get you on the registry. <coughs> so that's the way it works if you're between that age group. But we encourage more older people like myself to um, share the message, get people involved, tell them, to, tell the young people, your children, your nieces, nephews, join the registry. You can save someone's life. And maybe we can encourage them more to um, join the registry. And also we have a, a funding that we try to get um, people to give, give. So we have ways for you can also give a financial donation as well. It's easy and free to join if you're 18 to 44 years old. And if you just how to join the registry, you sign up, you create an account on your cell phone. It's easy. It's all digital now. We don't do any paperwork now. It's all digital, straight from your cell phone. You get on your cell phone, you have a code. Um, and it, my code is uh, CMS Detroit 19 to get on the, um, and you text that information to 61474. And that comes up our digital platform. And you go through, it's just like a paper, but it's just all digital. And it just asks you a personal question. Who are you? What's your name? Things of that nature. And it asks you, where do you live? Um, who can we contact if you're not available? So this question is identity. Ask medical questions as well. Make sure you're medically eligible to join the registry. And so once you finish that registration, we will give you a swab kit. And you swab two swabs, one, inside, one on each side inside your mouth for 10 seconds. And you're on the registry. And you have to stay committed. And before you, and after you swap, it's, um, after you swap, you, you are halfway to being on the registry. The next step is after you swap, you have to wait for a confirmation for be the master to send you a text or email to say, yes, I'm confirming my registration. And a lot of people forget that step. And that's a new step that they started this year, that you have to confirm your registration because sometimes we work with college students and sometimes they come in numbers and they do the registration just because we're in front of them and they're not really committed. So we let them get to themselves for like 10 minutes to an hour and they can confirm their registration um, by themselves. So that's what the registration, the late registration um, confirmation is for. So um, that's how you join the registry. That's the first step. And if you ever match someone, it's more involved. And I would say, say yes when you're called. Um, if, it could be months or even years before you match someone, or almost never. Keep your contact information up to date. We need you to keep your contact information up to date because we want to make sure you can, we can find you when we need you. Because we have those old phone numbers, you know, people change their numbers, especially young people all the time. And you know, sometimes when people um, join the registry, they put their advantage. If um, students are in school, they put their email for their school. Hopefully, they don't be in um, school 12 years. So they're going to email change. So we want to update that information. People that have it in the workplace, sometimes they go to another job or what have you. 
And so we want to make sure you update that information so it's easy for us to um, find you. And the transplant coordinator will let you know that as well. It's very difficult to find people when you need them. If you are selected and contacted as a match for a specific patient, say yes. You will be the person only hope for survival. So you may be the only one that matches that patient and they really need you. And so we want to make sure when you join the registry, you join the registry from your heart and you know what you're actually doing. So we have information to share with you before you join. So when you join the registry, you just always keep that in your back pocket, that information. You only join the registry once in a lifetime. Unless your DNA changed, I don't know. But you only join once. So you join once in a lifetime. So you may see be the match in various places. That's workplace at, who knows, on the corner. We just, we everywhere. And we be sharing the message. I'll be like, oh yeah, I know about that. Let me join again. No, it's just going to cost you the match money. Your DNA is going to be the same. Regardless whatever extra name you have on it, your DNA is going to stay the same. So, and women, if you get married, make sure you change your name because it's always duplicate donors because they have different last names. Two ways to donate. There are two donation met uh, methods if you match someone. The first one is peripheral blood stem cells called PBSC donation and the other donation is marrow donation. That's the traditional way we've been doing it for many years and we have peripheral blood stem cells through the blood. The, the patient's doctor chooses the method best for the patient. Whatever's best for the patient, that's what the transplant doctor is going to find or one going to tell the donor that's the best way they can get the cells, whether they can get it through peripheral blood stem cells or they can get through mere extraction. So those are two ways you can donate if you ever call to match someone. 77% of the donors give peripheral blood stem cells collection. And that's how, if you were to collect um, with um, peripheral blood stem cells, you'll be at the hospital, thorough procedure, you see how the person just sitting there, just really just chilling, having a all right time, just giving a donation. Um, it's similar to donating to platelets, like you donate platelets. Um, but before the donation, you get five shots before the collection. A machine, the way they collect a machine filters out stem cells and returns remaining blood to the donor. Most donor visits with friends or watch TV during the procedure. They watch, you can watch TV, uh, someone to come and visit you while you're doing that procedure. And that is um, non-surgical. So that's the procedure we do now more than ever. It's through the blood donation. So don't get, we have ways to stay. Okay, the merit um, donation is a traditional uh, way that we've been doing it for many years. It's 23% of the time that they would ask donors to give um, blood stem cells collection from bone marrow. And it's a surgical procedure. It's, it's anesthesia, no pain during the procedure on the, when, you, when they actually join it because they get anesthesia. The same, um, the same day you've been an outpatient um, procedure. And the doctor withdraws blood stem cells from the back of the pelvic bone. And so, and you will replenish whatever they take from you within four to six weeks. So before you get any of these procedures, you have to get a, a physical exam. They don't just believe you because you put on the form, yes, I'm fine, I, I have no problems, yes, and it's gonna last forever. No, doctors make sure that you are safe to give to someone else before 
they actually do the donation. So you get complete physical exam from head to toe, chest x-rays, and they make sure you're fine. It, it don't go by everything you say. So some people think you want to register at 18. Just think, for instance, someone calls you when you're 50. I'm, I'm, I know for sure what you was doing at 18 is totally where you are when you turn 50. So they're going to give you a, a complete physical exam. So no worries. We make sure everyone is physically fit to give to someone else because you're saving a life. We don't try to take a life to save a life. We want everyone to have a successful story to tell about this wonderful bone marrow transplant and how they save someone's life. Side effects and recovery. Discomfort varies from person to person. You may get some aches, some, uh, some little pain, but maybe a little fatigue. Uh, and if with bone marrow, you may get some bruising for a few days. Most of them return to normal routine between two to seven days. And sometimes with rigid blood stem cells, sometimes people can go to their normal daily activities the next day. Depends on the person. And the vast majority of people that donate and have given life to someone say they'll do it again because they know they, the big, they have the big picture in their mind that they can save someone's life, and they have saved someone's life. And it's free to donate. All travel meals, hotel costs um, for the donor and the companion are covered by the Be The Match. All medical costs are covered by the patient insurance or Be The Match. So it's no out-of-pocket cost for the transplant for the donor, because you are the star. So it's no cost for you, but it's a cost for the patient, of course. Um, and you can use their, through their insurance, they can, the donation can go and be successful. They have the right insurance. But it's no worries for the donor, because the donor is just our star. We're going to give them everything we can to make it as simple and easy as possible. Oh. It, uh, it doesn't take a long, long time to save a life. Registration is a short process. We um, schedule your donation to work for you and the patient. So we have to make sure that we have to make sure your time is the time that the patient, so you can come together and give your donation and the patient be available to receive your donation in a timely manner. So we have to make sure the time is right, the hours, the minutes, the seconds, and the transplant, um, so the transplant can be successful. Because we don't want you to say, yes, I want to do it, and then when it's time for the transplant to start, and you cop out. We want to make sure that you, this is something you really want to do, because you're going to talk to someone, one of our um, coordinators, and walk you all along the way, the whole step. So we're going to make sure that you're comfortable, comfortable with what you're doing. The process involves um, phone calls, a physical exam, and a collection uh, procedure. The total time committed is usually 20 to 30 hours spread out over four to six um, weeks. So if we, every minute, every time you do something would be the match, if you ever call to match someone and you're going through the process of donating, every minute, we, they track every minute. So 20 to 30 hours sounds like a lot of hours, but that's not in one day. That's over four to six weeks. And sometimes people get that mix, but I think that just hours is just one day. No. We try to spread it out because we know everyone has a life. They may be the breadwinner of their household, so we want to make sure you're comfortable as well. So we, um, they spread it out as much as they can so you can be comfortable with giving your donation. We keep your information private and confidential. Maintain public trust is essential. 
we never share your information. When you join a registry, you join a digital platform, we don't share any of the information that you give us. Only person that will be calling you if you join the bone mill registry is someone from the Visa Max registry. No one know if you rob that bank, you're gonna still be a robber. We're not gonna find you. You're gonna have to wait till you get in touch with those people that will help you. But Visa Max only works with people that um, join the registry to save a life. So whatever you're building, that's your path. So we never share your service. Genetic information is encoded and stored separately from personal identifying um, information. So how we get people involved, we do awareness and engagement. We work together to create an execute and awareness and engagement campaign. Uh oh, what's that there? Campaign that is custom to your business. So like I support saving lives. We, we do co-branding with um, corporations, organizations um, all the time to um, come together in a force to get more people on the registry. So we let people know that we are involved with Gift for Life in Bone Mill. We work well together. We let you know that we save the minds and more lives. We work with um, Be The Match um, Red Cross Blood Donation. We try to work together. We work together with different hospitals, Carmano's Hospital, Be The Match, U of M Hospital, Be The Match. We try to co-brand and get more people involved with joining the registry. And that's how we're able to save more lives. You're listening to Be The Match, featuring Tarita Gibson, Stacey Freer, Diane Klain, Tanya Smith, and Barbara Howard. Brought to you by Consumers Energy and the Women of Color STEM Conference. Uniting women in STEM by continuing the press for progress. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, we have volunteers that help us out a lot, as I explained before. Uh, people give, they fund the future. We do the digital registration, digital recruitment to get people involved, and we co-brand with other organizations. That's how we get the word out. So um, I just want to tell you about some of the diagnoses that we do have cures for, and we do help patients that have these diseases like leukemia, aplastic anemia, lymphoma, um, sickle cell. And, and did you know that one out of 365 Americans, African Americans, born with sickle cell disease. So we really want to get that word out. We really try to partner with sickle cell um, organizations to share with them the information how bone marrow can save their life. So we do uh, work with a lot of um, patients and also we work with the sickle cell um, disease organization to help save more lives. And we just everywhere, we try to partner with whoever we can to share more um, stories about Be The Match, how we get involved with the community. And we're really big in the community as well. So if you know any community events that's coming up anytime in the near future, please share that information with me. I gave you a card. If you can put that information on there, I will be there and um, to share the message about Be The Match. And even if you don't want to join, maybe you can show me where I could go to people that will want to join. And thank you all for listening to my presentation. I know it stopped, but that's okay. We save a lot. How about you? Now next on, I'm going to 
our panel is going to tell, one of our panelists is going to talk about the story of being a donor and also um, as being a volunteer. I'm going to introduce to you Barbara Howard to share her story as a donor and a volunteer for Be The Match. Good morning. Can everybody hear me? Because I don't talk very loud. Um, I'm listening uh, to, to Rita's presentation and it's kind of funny because I actually joined the bone mill registry way back when, years and years ago, probably close to 25 years ago, in this very building. Um, it was a women's conference and I happened to see their table and the nurse stopped me and she said, hey, you want to join the registry? And I asked her, what did I have to do? Well, at that time, you had to give blood. And so I said, well, yeah, I can do that. I've done that before. So I gave my blood and I had to fill out a bunch of paperwork so it was not digital. Um, so I feel a little cheated now. <laughs> um, and I waited. And the first year you join the registry, you kind of anticipate being called right away because you really want to help somebody. Um, I didn't get that call. I didn't get it, the call for five years. And I didn't get the first call. My mother got the first call. And she said the Red Cross was looking for me, which scared me to death because I actually donated blood. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what's wrong with me? You know, there's something wrong with my blood. And I called back the coordinator. And she said, hey, you've been matched with someone. I was sitting at my desk at work and immediately started crying. For me, um, it was a very emotional um, adventure, I would say, and an, a, a journey. Um, my patient was a 29-year-old acute leukemia patient in St. Louis. Um, and he had been sick for a long time. And we actually moved through the process very quickly, probably about just about five weeks. I donated October 20th, 2000, and I had my donation. I actually did uh, bone marrow. So they put me under, and my marrow flew to St. Louis where it was given to him. Um, I always say that I've never given birth because I have no children, but I've given life. And I've given life through my bone marrow. Um, he was able to live an additional 533 days in which he got married. And he celebrated Mother's Day with his mom twice. And he celebrated his birthday. Um, I'm often asked why I did it. Because it was an unrelated donation. And my thought is, why wouldn't I do it? Why wouldn't I do something so simple to help someone else? Um, at the time of my donation, I think I might have been one of the only African-American donors in the area. And I worked a lot <laughs> with Charita and the Red Cross and the Bone Marrow Registry trying to get the word out. I felt that if people saw me and saw that I was okay, that that would help them to understand that the process is simple. It's simple as giving blood, um, and you'll be okay afterward. Um, many people say, well, you know, why would you do it unrelated? You know, we're all related in some way. We're all humans. We're all here to help, and that is our mission. Um, I can honestly say that that has been the greatest thing that I've done on this earth. Um, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. 
I'm getting ready to age out, but it's okay because I can still tell people and encourage people to donate and to get involved. Um, it is probably the most worth, worthwhile thing to do. And I just appreciate everything that Be The Match um, does to get the word out and to help people because it makes a difference. I didn't get a chance to meet my, my recipient in person, but we talked on the phone all the time. He would call me, and um, the first time he called me, he just said, Hey, lady, I love you, and I'm just broken to tears. I mean, I, I was an emotional basket case for the whole five weeks because every time I thought about what was getting ready to happen, um, I thought about what kind of opportunities he and his family would have, and it just brought me a great sense of joy and fulfillment. So I encourage you, if you're not part of the registry or if can be part of the registry. Encourage somebody else to be part of the registry. It's so worth it. Thank you, Barbara. Now I'm going to introduce um, Tanya Smith. She's a uh, donor as well, and she's going to share her story. I love the donor. Good morning. <coughs> I'm a little jealous. Uh, <laughs> I joined the registry. Uh, I'm jealous because you were able to meet your uh, your your recipient. Um, I joined the registry in, in 2002. <clears throat> I had switched careers and joined American Red Cross, and as Tarita mentioned, uh, Be The Match and Red Cross does partnerships. And so uh, if you want to partner with somebody, you have to engage in, in their efforts and what they did, so I joined the registry. Um, so that was in 2002. Uh, I was on the registry probably uh, 12 years before I got a call uh, I was with Red Cross for 12 years, and um, a group of managers, we all got laid off in March of 2014. And so um, the day after I got laid off that morning, I'll never forget it, I got up and looked in the mirror and said, God, what am I going to do now? And the phone rang. And it was be the match, saying that I matched a gentleman who was in need of a, of a uh, who had leukemia, who was in need of a uh, transplant. And so, uh, when I hung up off, hung up from the, the uh, recruiter, um, uh, I said, "Well, Lord, um, this is this is what you want me to do," because as it as she stated in the presentation. Uh, you, you have to donate 20 to 30 hours, and uh, with the position that I had, there was no way that I would have been able to, to do the process. Uh, so it's just like uh, Tarita explained. Uh, after the phone call, uh, I had probably um, two additional blood draws. Uh, I got a full uh, physical exam. Uh, they also uh, talked to you about your mental uh, capacity. Um, so it was about four to six weeks uh, before the actual um, donation, and I did the stem cell. Uh, I have a little uh, arthritis in my hip, so they uh, thought that I shouldn't do the bone marrow. So I felt the same way. So I did the stem cell uh, donation. Uh, the lady came to my house every uh, morning for four days, and uh, one, one funny thing, uh, uh, she would come and uh, just nice. This is nice. I mean, everybody 
within the process was just super, super, super nice. So she came to my house one day, and uh, so we had these continuing conversations. Uh, one of her colleagues was recruiting uh, another donor somewhere, and the lady was uh, having reactions and throwing up. And, and for me, uh, everything was going well. The whole process was seamless. And so uh, the one day she came, and uh, she was uh, talking. We were talking so much, she forgot to put her gloves on. And so um, to give me the injection. And so she said, well, one thing for sure, you don't have anything because of all the tests and the blood tests that, that she had done, had, they had done on me. So it was kind of funny. So uh, the, the fifth day, I went to uh, DMC for the, the, for the donation. And uh, here am I, 125 pounds, 5'4", thin African-American lady. And the nurse kind of looked at me. And so anyway, so I did the, the, the process and uh, it took long. It took longer because I was so small. And so um, the nurse said, well, uh, it was probably, I started around eight and ended around three. And so um, they came in and immediately took the, took the donation. And I believe it went to California uh, to a gentleman um, who was in need of at least um, five million stem cells. Uh, a norm, I was told a normal donation is two million. And so, um, so they thought I was gonna have to come back the next day. So uh, by the time I got home, <coughs> uh, they said they were gonna call to see if I needed to come back. And so um, before I could even get in the house good, they called back saying that, okay, Ms. Smith, you're doing, you did well. You don't need to come back. You were able to give him 11, 11 million stem cells. Okay. So uh, as uh, Barbara mentioned, uh, every time I tell this story, I get emotional. Because I never met him. But I do know that uh, after the year, you can they, they, they monitor you throughout the process. So after a year, I found out that he um, cancer free but he was still having some complications and so um, I didn't feel comfortable reaching out to him I thought that if if, if need be he would reach out to me and so I never really heard from my um, from my uh, recipient but um, like Barbara said um, she was I'm jealous because she was able to know that her donor had an additional birthday additional was able to get married and all those wonderful things that we look forward to as adults so um, I encourage you to consider doing it. And as uh, Teresa mentioned, um, we need more African-Americans. I currently work for Gift of Life Michigan, and our efforts are to educate the community regarding the need to join the organ and tissue donor registry. And we have similar uh, challenges uh, with minorities joining the registry, all the myths and the misconceptions about it. So uh, I understand her, her pain. And um, so we're in an industry where we communicate uh, what, what the needs are. And what I found is when we, as a people, as a community, uh, learn more and uh, all the questions are resolved, we do tend to support. So I encourage you, if you're not on the registry, uh, bone marrow registry, please consider it. And if you're not on the Oregon and Tissue Donor Registry, also please consider that as well. Thank you. 
So I'm going to focus a little bit um, on our non-malignant transplants that we're doing because you hear all the time about the cancers, the leukemias, the lymphomas, and things like that that we're transplanting. What you don't hear about a lot, and I think it's being brought up more and more lately, are the non-malignant conditions, such as sickle cell anemia, some different genetic conditions. So um, we now are doing many, many more transplants for non-malignant conditions. And I can tell you lately, um, we have been getting a, a lot of referrals for sickle cell transplants. And um, we check family members uh, for patients with sickle cell. Um, and most of the time, there's not a match for those patients. And even when we check the registry to see what, potentials are don what potential donors are out there for those patients, there's not donors available for them. So um, people are doing drives. People are doing, you know, fundraising and things to promote minority um, people getting on the registry. Um, so right now at U of M, we have a research study open for sickle cell anemia patients, and we're doing um, what's called a half-match donor transplant. So we're using a parent or a family member that's a half-match for that donor. It's called a haploidentical transplant for sickle cell patients. Um, at this point, um, it's been open about a year. And um, right now, we have about five or six patients enrolled in that trial, and they're doing really well. Um, we've only been able to do two transplants for sickle cell anemia using an unrelated donor. That's how limited the, the donor situation is for minority patients. And I think the biggest way of learning um, how to treat patients with non-malignant <coughs> conditions is through research, and that's uh, our doctors are very much for that. So I work at Kermanos right in downtown Detroit, and we have a large population of minorities. Um, Asian, African-American, Middle Eastern, and it's very difficult to find donors for them. And I like to give the analogy, we inherit our, our genetics, our DNA, based on our ethnicity. So if when you're looking at a registry, if 75% of the registry are Caucasians, it's going to be much easier for the Caucasian patients to find a donor. Um, it gets really challenging when it's mixed race. So if you have, say, a, a Japanese mom and an African-American dad, it's going to be very difficult to find a match for their child. And it's always in the, in the best interest of the patient to find a perfect match. So in my role, it's really heart-wrenching when I have, a, say, an African-American patient and I do my search, and there's zero potential perfect matches in the registry. So right off the get-go, we're not going to have the best donor for that patient. Um, at Carmanos, because it is such a, um, a dilemma not being able to find a perfect match, we do have a protocol right now, a research protocol, where if we can't find a perfect match for that patient, we're giving them a special cocktail of medications to help prevent graft-versus-host disease. So um, in a kidney transplant, your body wants to reject the kidney because your body is <laughs> very smart and realize that kidney doesn't belong to the body. In a bone marrow transplant, it's actually the donor cells that are trying to reject the patient. So the patient is the host, and the donor cells are the graft, so it's the graft attacking, attacking the host. 
So for patients that we can't find a perfect match donor for, we have a research protocol that we enroll the patient on, and we're hoping this new combination of medications will help prevent that graft-versus-host disease because so many of these minority patients, we just can't find a perfect match donor. Um, we would love to be able to find perfect match donors for everyone. It's just with the way the registry is right now, it's not possible. So what I also like to tell my family, so if a, a minority patient comes in, we test their family members and they don't have any matches within the family, um, but they have family members that want to join the registry, what I like to share is, yes, join the registry, but don't just join for your loved one. You need to join to help anyone in need out there because what happens sometimes is a cousin, an aunt, an uncle wants to join to save their loved one and then two years, and they don't match that loved one. And then two years later, they get a phone call from Be The Match and they go, oh no, I, I don't want to donate for a stranger. I only wanted to donate for my loved one. On the other side of that, being a transplant coordinator, when I do a search and maybe I have one perfect match donor, and then I have to tell that patient when that donor was contacted, they declined. And it's very, very heart-wrenching. Uh, these poor patients go through a roller coaster of emotions, you know, because we share, you know, okay, you have one potential match out there, and then I have to say, I'm sorry, that match isn't going to come to be. So we, I like to share the messages, join the registry to help anyone, because you want help for your loved one. You're hoping there's a stranger out there that will join for your loved one. Um, Carmanos actually has a cord blood bank and with Be The Match. And we actually have the largest inventory of African-American cords in the United States. So there's several hospitals in the Detroit area. Not all the hospitals participate. So treat is right. If you know anyone that's having a baby, it doesn't cost the mom anything. It's a, it, it's a free donation to donate the umbilical cord. And they will, the gynecologist can let you know if the, their hospital where they're <coughs> going to deliver your baby is participating in the cord blood bank. So we follow the national marrow guidelines as far as age, but we did, we can bend the rules if we're doing a related donor. So for example, I had a woman, she was a match for her brother, she was 74 in great health, and we collected her. It was a, su a successful transplant, we got lots of cells. So we are able to bend the rules a little bit, but with the registry, exactly, when you turn 61, you're off the registry. And I like to tell people, say you're 55 and you think, oh, I'm too old, they're not going to want me. I just did a search on Wednesday, African-American patient. He's got one potential perfect match, 55-year-old female. So if she had said, I'm too old to join the registry, he would have had zero donors out there. So it's, you know, we, we try to find the youngest, healthiest donor for our patients, but the most important thing is the match. So if my only perfect match is 60, I'm taking that 60-year-old. So the National Marrow Donor Program lets you donate more than once, but they keep you on hold for two years. And the reason they do that is if you donate for a patient, there may be a chance that they might need some more cells within that first two years. So they'll kind of hold you unavailable for two years, and then you're back available for another patient. We had a donor, um, so at Carmanos, besides being a transplant center, we actually see donors, clear donors, and collect donors for the National Marrow Donor Program. And we had a donor that just no donated for the third unrelated patient. No, um, the donor was donating for the third unrelated donor, so the third time. Must be, uh, you know, very, 
as a do when I see the donors, I don't see their HLA typing. Um, I'm seeing him from the other end of the spectrum, so I don't know what his ethnic uh, background was or what his HLA was, but he must have unique typing, and he was donating for the third time. Uh, my name is Nathan Waters. I work for Consumers Energy and have a couple of different positions. That doesn't really matter. But as I was sitting there listening and you were talking about young folks or young people, I began to wonder how the legalization of marijuana is affecting the donors, the donors, because since it's been legal, I know in my community and others, there's a huge use. And I'm sure that that would impact, impact the testing and the, uh, you know, and the donation. So I'm wondering if that's having an effect on your program, and if it is, is there anything in place to maybe counter it, especially among our young people? I, I can, so uh, marijuana is not a contraindication to being a donor. So. It's surprisingly how honest donors are when they fill out the donor sheet because we have a donor sheet that we give to the family members and they don't want to harm their loved one so they're very honest with us and they often write down marijuana use and all we tell them is you know we need you to take your injections we need you to show up the day of collection and we don't want you coming in higher than a kite because if you're you know you have to have sound mind to sign consent forms so we're just very honest with them and say like, what is your use? How heavy? Can you maybe not do it during the, the week that you're doing the donation? And, but it's not a contraindication. And we're actually more worried about our patients smoking marijuana because they have a compromised immune system. And what we tell our patient is it's a plant. There could be fungal spores in the marijuana. And when you smoke it, you could actually get a horrible fungal infection in your lungs. So we tell our patients you're safer to do the pharmaceutical oils, which don't have any bacteria, don't have any fungus in them, um, and we really don't want our patients smoking and, and you know getting that the it's harmful to the lungs. They could get a, a horrible infection in their lungs. So we're actually more concerned about the patient. Yep. There's a table outside with lots of information you can grab on your way out. Thank you. Tanya. Thank you for listening to Be The Match, a professional development seminar presented by Consumers Energy, featuring account manager for Be The Match, Tarita Gibson, along with Stacey Freer, Diane Klain, Tanya Smith, and Barbara Howard. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Women of Color STEM Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.womenofcolor.net. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.